This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Trend. I'm Jay, joined again with Ramon, and today we're talking about influencer marketing case studies. So we're going to be diving into five different case studies, might have some extra bonus ones that aren't on the article that we'll talk about as well. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to be talking about how influencer marketing actually works. Um, I know I get the question all the time, and I'm sure you probably get it even more than I do being the CEO. Um, but people are always asking, does influencer marketing really work? Yeah. How do you make money off of influencer marketing? Um, so this is it. I mean, this is how you do it. Yeah. I, you know, lately I've been getting on a bunch, pretty much taking almost all the calls with all the prospects and, and customers. And it's crazy to see the difference in last year to this year. Like in the last year, I got a lot of those questions. Now I'm starting to get a lot of, you know, hey, we're launching this product and influencer marketing is, uh, you know, a big part of our budget. And in the past, like, there weren't budgets for influencer marketing and stuff. So uh, it's cool to see that, yes, people are asking this question still a lot, but with a budget in hand. You know, it was very different when people would ask a question and not have a budget. So uh, then you'd have to work with them and the whole team in the company to try and get a budget approval, uh, whereas now they're coming with a budget. Um, besides the fact that we've actually figured out our product and, and marketing position a lot better. So um, it's making the growth in our company really uh, take off. But uh Interesting to see that that change. Yeah. Um, so let's maybe back it up a little bit for people that are listening that maybe think influencer marketing is really cool. How do you build a budget out of it? You're saying a lot of brands have a budget for it. Uh, how do you think they're coming up with that? I think it's just the nature of where of the other options there are for marketing for consumer companies. So I think they're not seeing the returns they would like to see in other ways. And in fact, you know, people complain about the me like how you measure the ROI of influencer marketing, but the only thing that gives you a direct you know, result of CPC and all that is like Facebook ads and Instagram ads. That's the only thing that really you can measure like that the only platforms that you could really do that type of marketing. So it's not smart for a consumer company to put 100% of their budget into one strategy and one platform. So there are other areas that you need to diversify, build community and build brand trust and awareness. And uh, Facebook ads isn't really the best one for that either. So there's a budget left over to that. And when you compare influencer marketing with your other options, um, it, it, it's becoming a big part of um, the people are actually like, hmm, actually, this is this is more measurable than our standard, you know, billboard campaigns or uh, community events and et cetera. Yeah, I kind of see it as like that middle tier um, in terms of like, obviously, you know, you have traditional advertising where you're putting together like an ad campaign and maybe like doing a commercial, like let's say for something like the Super Bowl. Yeah, there's like 50 million people watching, but you don't know if any of those people are actually interested in purchasing your product. And then you've got the flip side of that, which is something like Facebook ads, where you can also reach 50 million people, but you can 
figure out and kind of target towards that. And I think influencer marketing also kind of falls in that middle ground where you kind of get to, you get your ROI and you're still kind of picking the target audience, but it's a little bit different well, of a way. Well, here's the thing. When you do the Super Bowl ad, nobody's working for you there. When you're doing influencer marketing, they're all also working for you. Uh, they're sharing their audience with you and they're creating content for you as well. So it's like you're pretty much hiring people to make your revenue. Yeah. Uh, whereas in any other form of marketing, that is not the case. Yeah. It's just some cost, 100%. Unless you, of course, see the direct ROI. So um, I want to ask you a question about this article. So, uh, you know, for the record, uh, Jay and I never talk before the podcast about what we're actually going to talk about. We literally just say, this is what we're going to discuss. And we just sit here and dive right into it. There's no planning whatsoever. So I see on the first sentence. Um, so if, if you guys want to follow along, we're reading a blog post uh, in in our in our website called uh, Influencer Marketing Case Studies, Five Insane But True Influencer Marketing Case Studies. In the first sentence, what is Roaring Twenties? Why is it capitalized? I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. <laughs> I was like, is this because like, you know, 2020 started off with a rough patch with like coronavirus, like earthquakes, like all this stuff. And <laughs> Oh, like, well, it's from the uh, the 1920s were referred to as the Roaring Twenties. Oh, really? Yeah, the oh, 20s. Okay. So wow. that's where that term comes from. Why? I'm uh, so clueless on this. I guess because it was like uh, oh well, the industrial like revolution. A, I think it was like that Great Gatsby kind of like time. Oh okay. Yeah. So. Well, I learned something there. That's the backstory <laughs> okay. on that stuff. Okay. <laughs> so let's dive into some of these case studies and take a look at you know why they're crushing it. And I think you know when people think of influencer marketing, I think maybe some people get the brand awareness piece. Um, but there are a lot of other pieces that are involved, like things like return on ad spend, um, cost per click that can change. Um, what else? Uh, engagement rate, those things. It's not just, just shooting off a bunch of pictures to potential product users and that's not the end of it. It's like, do you know the brand Gymshark? Yeah. So that's it. Like that's the ROI, literally. That you just answered yes. Either you're known or you're not known. And what's the ROI for Gymshark right now? You answering that question, zero. But what could it be in a week? It could be a lifetime customer. Like you could need, I don't know. So I, I don't know if they sell stuff for men, but maybe you're gonna buy your girlfriend something, and you think, oh, you know, Gymshark, like. That's the ROI right there um, besides all the other stuff. But uh, that, that brand awareness is just so big, uh, especially on a, uh, when the consumer space is growing so fast and there's so many brands popping up in each category. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the case studies that I know we've been a part of, there's a couple on this article that are trend specific. Uh, Kettle and Fire and Health Aid, two really big ones. We've also got some other case studies we can maybe talk about, but let's talk about how influencer marketing was really successful for both of these two brands. And maybe we can start by breaking them down uh, case by case. Yeah. So Kettle and Fire, uh, the founder is a close friend of mine and, and was my roommate. So I've seen them just 
completely blow up from day one before they were even called Kettle and Fire. And I know they've done influencer marketing before Instagram was even a thing with a bunch of affiliates and uh, using bloggers as uh influencers and and they've had those as partners since uh day one but in our case when they worked with us um we pretty much challenged them that our content would outperform their professional studio content uh, they, they, they always invest heavily in content as you can see on their website in that picture you put on the article um they, they they go hard on content and understand the value of it so um we went ahead and tested a, a simple piece of content shot by a creator from trend and put it up with their best performing piece of content uh on ads the same exact ads so we didn't change any of the targeting you know any of the nothing at all same ad just the creative ju- just the creative and it outperformed their best content by like a 4x and i mean without mentioning how much it cost them to actually run this content compared to creating that professionally shot content um, where they needed a, 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 a team to yeah. to execute on. Do you have an idea of how much they were spending on the, the content stuff before um, they started using I don't, Trend? I don't. I really don't know. So I'm uh, not just going to make but that mean, up. But Yeah, Forex <laughs> return is incredible. I mean, for you to send the content team to a kitchen and get a model and all that, we're talking $5,000 at least to just do one, one shoot. And you don't want to just shoot in one one spot. No, you don't want to have all your all content your ads. the exact same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't want to have all your ads be in the same kitchen um, over and over. And a little bit of a spoiler alert. Uh, come back to our website after March 17th. Jay put together a case study related to kitchens for Italic, which is a really good one. I, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, just a little teaser. Yeah, yeah. Come back and visit the website. <laughs> Um, and then let's talk about uh, this health aid one. So obviously we know return on ad spend is big thing that you want to use with your user-generated content that you get from these influencers. Um, but it's not just return on ad spend. You can really create, like you talked, um, obviously health aid wasn't launching when they worked with us, but we've talked about kind of creating that lightning strike kind of moment same thing with Gymshark right you're using a bunch of people to spread the word at the same time and you're just creating that lightning strike event yeah healthy went hard like they went crazy with us they used hundreds of content creators 1.6 or 7 million impressions um and I mean, the cost per image was so low compared to the insane ROI they got. I mean, we barely, uh, this was very early in the days for us too. So we barely measured the ROI. I'd be very curious in going back and, and seeing the Instagram following they had before they started really going that, that hard in the website traffic. I think it'd be interesting to uh, correlate all those things, which we actually, so Trend focuses on being the place where you can find the creators and high quality creators and scale that. We don't even get into tracking like exactly all that traffic growth and everything it would be something interesting to, to look at with, especially all the brands in here. Yeah. And uh, one that I one that I love and keep looking back at, and this is also going to be on the new website uh, that we're launching. I think March seventeenth is around the target date, so come yeah. back then. Uh, moon selfie. Yeah. Uh, 
they absolutely crushed it. Yeah. Like three, almost 400,000 impressions. Yeah. In uh, like two and a half weeks or something. Two and a half weeks. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, that's crazy exposure yeah. for a brand, especially when you're launching. If you yeah. can get in front of 400,000 people and yeah. say, here's my product. If you're converting at, uh, you know, like a 5% rate, uh, what's what's the math on that? I mean, let's let's pull that up. I'd love to know. Like, you know, they, they have a great website too. So it's not like, uh, you know, they've just put together a product and then haven't really done anything else. So they have a great website. So if you're returning at a 5% rate, 400,000 impressions, that's 20,000 sales. That's crazy. I was just talking with a brand yesterday who was uh, signing up with us and they... I mean, dude, they had the whole recipe down. Like, they just get it. Like, they they get it. And those are our best customers. The one that the ones that just get it and go all the way through, they see it through. They have a vision of how the brand will be recognized after many people posting about it. And they know their audience and know who to select. And they had, a, like, a 10% conversion rate. And the brand is crushing it i'll talk to you um i'll tell you offline which one is the brand maybe we should do a case study with them uh but they're absolutely crushing it. actually they are already a customer um I'll, I'll show it to you offline remind me of that but another one on this list which i think is really interesting to me is warby parker like i am a lifetime warby parker customers i actually just got new swag from them and um it's it's a non-negotiable for me like i don't care what other glasses are out there like i go to warby parker and that's it um i i took my eye exam at some fancy downtown optical place because i had don't have a car and i just i'm a downtown guy so <laughs> i just don't go and don't commute anywhere but i uh, was forced to go there and they're like you know trying to sell me all these glasses and warby i'm like no just give me the my my prescription because warby parker just makes it so easy and warby parker is different especially than most other direct to consumer brands not only because of how they've built their distribution points but they've built they really have built a loyal customer base and that is the ROI of what I was explaining earlier and not depending on ads alone like the brands that just depend on ads alone and that's where 100% of their budget goes when they're not spending on ads nobody cares about them and nobody knows so influencer marketing is another way of spreading the message and the vision of the brand you know Warby Parker donates uh, a pair of glasses for every a uh, pair of glasses that you buy and there's so um, there's so much about giving back and, and treating the customer the consumer fairly and that message goes so much further than just like you know $100 for glasses like yeah they're really cheap but it's not about that there's so much more to it there's a story behind it and I think using influencers to to push that story through everyday influencers especially which you mentioned uh, somewhere around here um, I think it was Iceland that they use celebrities and then it didn't work until they use everyday people yeah so let's actually talk about that so influencer marketing isn't just a, a new fancy brands game it yeah. doesn't just because your brand didn't come up in the last five or, or ten years doesn't mean you shouldn't use influencer marketing I mean yeah. we've got two case studies on here Dyson that's been around for a really long time. I mean, I remember always looking at those vacuums and Icelandic or Iceland foods, uh, Iceland groceries has also used influencer marketing. Both of them using yeah. micro influencers. I mean, 
I think uh, I'm not sure how long Iceland Foods has been along uh, around for, but I know Dyson has been around for a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, have you? Uh, What's it called? Uh, the poc- Have you ever heard the podcast for the founder of Dyson? I haven't. It's from the podcast, How I Built This. Highly recommend you check it out. The guy's an inventor and just went through all the craziest stuff to get it done. But um, back to it, I think there's something there in the power of storytelling with influencer marketing. That's how you build loyalty and awareness. Yeah. I mean, and they're, they're I mean, Dyson's a pretty big brand. And for them to be using, uh, reading along in this article right now, one Dyson influencer had a following of just 2,500 people, but it had the highest engagement rate out of any other influencer in the campaign. Did they do influencer marketing for the hair dryer that they have? Uh, I think it's pretty sick. I don't. I don't the use the one that over dryers, here but... is uh, for pet influencers. Oh really? Yeah, it's crazy. It's just like uh, oh, because of the dog hair. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. I'm like, do they have a product for dogs? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. But I mean, it it just goes to show you, you don't have to be like uh, some cool up and coming brand. I mean, yeah, a lot of cool and up and coming brands are using influencer marketing to get big. Jim Shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you could be an established brand. You can be around for a yeah. long time. To use which, it. which, thank you for pointing that out. The product has so much to do too, and the quality of the product. You know, sometimes brands come to us and. You talk about here, if you have a tool, it's um, it's it's just like another tool, you have to wield it, right? You talk about that on this article, like influencer marketing is just like another yeah. tool. And that is a great point because we talk with a lot of brands, but to be honest with you, if your product is just a white label CBD brand or something with a sticker on it, like we, you know, there's, there's, there's a, the the message, the product, and the influencers have to all be aligned. It's not like influencer marketing does has magical powers and puts any product on the moon. You have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, I think the product is the key thing, and we're looking at all of these different brands, and the one key thing that they all have is having some sort of great product. They've put in the effort to create a strong brand or at least give off the impression of a strong brand. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's extremely key because uh, you and I know, I mean, as, and we're obviously, you know, we're millennials. There's still that whole other Gen Z piece. Um, But as we go towards, you know, from millennials towards Gen Z, I think a really big thing is, you know, having something that looks professionally done looks like a great product. And that kind of inherently builds trust. And when you kind of combine it and cook it up with this influencer marketing piece, it just yeah goes on a whole nother thing. Kettle and Fire were the first shelf-stable bone broth. It's the best quality bone broth. Uh, Iceland, I don't know much about, so... Uh, food, so I'm not going to talk about them. But War- <laughs> Warby Parker, I mean, for me, like, they're the best glasses. They're like a hundred bucks. Of course, I got to pay more for the prescription, but they're so affordable. The style is super in. The product is super dope. I get the best customer support, and I don't have to go anywhere. Um, Health Aid was on the forefront of kombucha. They pretty much was were the brand that just completely dominated that space. And I'm not a kombucha drinker, but um, they are the most popular, famous, uh, the most popular uh, kombucha brand. And then Dyson is just the best vacuum you can possibly get so uh 
clearly the product is a big part of the success of the influencer marketing campaign. Yeah. When you put two and two together, you get incredible results. Yeah. Uh, well, I think this is a good stopping point for us. Uh, I think we covered a lot of things. If you want to check out the full article, feel free to go trend.io slash blog slash uh, influencer marketing case studies. Yeah, one more thing. I don't yeah. want to, we don't want to just sit here, right? And talk about what we just do. We also want to help as much as possible. So if there's a brand that you heard of that you know is blowing up and you're curious about how they actually blew up, um, reach out to us, email us, go go to the live chat on our website and send us what the brand is and, and we'll help you discover uh, what that brand did and what you can do to, to be just like them. Yeah. Cool. Well, have a great day, guys. Yeah. See you next time.